0: From fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hello, everybody, and welcome to For the Love of Pomegranate podcast. This is take three of this of this video. For whatever reason, my computer setup has been corrupting this file every time I've done it. I don't know. Maybe it's uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe someone just doesn't want this information out there or something. Let's get right conspiratorial with it. Um, but no, in all seriousness, I've tried to put this up twice already. And um I don't know, it was like it was going into an hour, an hour and ten minutes uh, of of size of a video. And to be honest with you, I didn't really even like how long it was. So I'm gonna try and abridge it a small bit, keep this one maybe about 20, 25 minutes, and try not to go into as much detail because a lot of uh the a lot of what I could talk about, I think, on this one is um is is stuff that we will probably say between now and the end of the season anyway. So I don't want to be repeating myself over and over again. But this is the long-fabled and um, and long-awaited. Well, I don't know if it's long-awaited by you guys, but it's long-awaited by me because I've been trying to bloody get it up for the last four days. Um, Is the Stephen Gerrard kind of just a look at some trends and some some bits and pieces that we've uh, we've looked at? So what I've done with this is I've taken every single one of Stephen Gerard's games and I've broken it down created a little spreadsheet with it, broken it down in relation to formation, uh, the average layout of positions for, for each game, looked at what centre-back partnerships, midfield partnerships and strike partnerships that Steven Gerrard wanted to look at, um, and also looking at any of the substitutions made to see if I can garner any trends or any, any kind of uh, patterns, I suppose, to the way that Steven Gerrard is looking at more so the team and the players that we have. Okay? So... There's two aspects to this. Here's my caveat. I know that a lot of people are going to message underneath this and say, Stephen Gerrard is no better than Tim Sherwood. I'm fully aware that some people believe that. This is not me trying to convince you Stephen Gerrard is better than Tim Sherwood. Okay? We get that one out of the way quickly. This is not me trying to convince you Stephen Gerrard is better than Dean Smith. Everybody knows I love Dean Smith. I actually found my Smith in t-shirt. The uh, the t-shirts that I had made. I've donated to some charity somewhere but i found my one that i kept it's still inside in the house big dean smith fan here i also do have um a lot of i suppose when i was looking at this in a, under a wider lens with all the games in, in in one go i do have a bit more of a kind of I, i've got i've got questions i suppose but questions with regards to to really what we what, what Stephen jared's brief has been over the last 20 games and what he what he needs to do with the team specifically, um, and I know everybody should say, well, it's win, isn't it? We need to win. I think that because we've had uh, obviously we've had an over overhaul of people since Patash has been in here. Dean Smith uh, started off the start of the season. We bought the the hundred million player uh, worth the players um, in uh, Danny Ings, in um, in Leon Bailey and Brindia. and I think what's happening here is Stephen Gerrard has been given his piece that he wanted in Coutinho and in Dina, who I think has been two very, very good signings and uh he's been made, been kind of tasked with figuring out where the rest of the squad fits in to what he wants to do going forward and that's not to say that he's rigidly going to stick to the 210s or the 29s that he plays but that's kind of my caveat at the start of this okay so I'm not here to convince you this isn't a video it's going to convince you or going to try to convince you it's just going to be some good things I'm going to mention about Steven Gerrard there's going to be some bad things I'm going to mention but there's also some hypotheses that I have here as well you can believe them if you want it's just based on who uh, who he's played, partnerships he's put in there and uh, and things that have happened throughout the course of the season. OK, so that's just a little caveat at the start before I get this, because I know that a lot of people are going to, I, a lot of people don't particularly, are, are in a kind of a lull with Steven Jarrett at the moment. Maybe feel he says the same things in, in interviews after every game, yet he's not doing anything on the field. Um, And that's not, it's not, this isn't for me to convince you that that, that, that you're wrong with that. I don't really have any opinion on that at all. If that's the opinion you hold, that's fine. But this isn't me saying that you're wrong. This is me just putting out my side of what I've seen when I've looked at every game under under a wide lens because you could very, very well be right. Um, so I don't really know. I don't I don't pay any attention to a lot of that, to be honest with you. Um. I just kind of want to look at what's on the field, what formations, maybe look at what's happening in games and things like that and, and try and see if there's reasons why maybe things didn't fall into place like we would have thought that they would have. So let's take a look at at some of the things. So very much this is this is very much a spreadsheet podcast. Um and you will see that I'm going to start sharing uh, a, a spreadsheet that I have here and analyzing some of the games. If you'd seen the most recent Leicester podcast preview podcast you would have seen this uh, previously but um what I wanted to do is I just wanted to kind of go down through some of the some of the games, look at them um, in their in their in, I suppose just as a snapshot of you know personnel Set up um, substitutions made so that we can kind of gather what Gerard can really actually affect on the field. Because remember, a manager has two uh, has has two real um has two real uh, aspects to, to to him being a, a manager as such. And one of them is to set the team up um for uh, for success, and the other one is to maybe improve the team um as we go throughout the course of the year. So um. And maybe there's reasons why the, why those didn't happen, why we haven't been able to improve the team. Maybe there's reasons why why we haven't been able to. I don't know. If, I don't have all the answers to that. And this, obviously, because I'm just a guy at home with a fucking spreadsheet, looking through, uh, looking through whatever statistic sites I can find. I do have a scouting site as well that I use, but it's not really. It's 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 fine for this, but you can get most of the stuff that you need on free websites. Um, to, uh, to to kind of garner any of the information that I've gotten here, but let's just start. Steven Gerrard obviously came in after uh, 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 we were on a bit of a bit of a streak of of misfortune. I think Steven Gerrard comes in, and we had a two 0 win against Brighton. Two goals scored there in that game. One scored by Watkins. One scored by Mings. The form- formation we played there was the traditional Steven Gerrard uh, two tens formation. Um, when we played when we played against against Brighton. And this was one of the things that we knew that Stephen Jared was going to come in. Michael Beale had spoken about it. There's a lot of literature out there of Michael Beale giving uh, giving seminars with regards to uh, his philosophy within the game and so on. Um, when you hear about coaches talking about their philosophy, no coach, and I can guarantee you this no coach is 100 million percent rigid within their within their their philosophy. Maybe with the exception of somebody like Mourinho, but then again Mourinho had tons of success. Um, to, you could say Big Sam as well, and and arguably people think that Big Sam has had massive success in his career as well. And um, keeping teams up for me is, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's you know you don't you don't get any polished trophies at the end of the day at the end of the year for that. Um, but he does he he does what he does uh, pretty well, or he did at least, and he did serve a purpose. Uh, did Big Sam in uh, in English football? <clears throat> and I know that the town I'm from here in Ireland is very very thankful for him, Limerick City. Because he did manage, he was player manager of Limerick City, um, for a period of time, um. But anyway, what I was mentioning here was obviously the formation that started off was the three, uh, was the two tens formation, and what we can see here is this positional map here, and I hope hope that you guys can see this because when we look at the way that this team sets up, as one of the biggest things, and spoiler alert, and this is you know you guys will know this from watching watching our podcast, our setup has changed immeasurably over the course of the year. And this, to me, means that if people are, are kind of concerned that Steven Gerrard is too rigid in his tactics, well, look how this has changed. Um, if he's too rigid in his tactics, you're going to see that things have changed all over the place from with regards to, to how the how the team is set up from, from day one here. And as we look through maybe the early part of the season, we set up in one way, and then when the par- personnel that we had changed, we set up in a completely different way. So one of the hypotheses that I can have with regards to, to looking at this is that yeah, the rigidity that people sometimes label with Steve the label of Stephen Gerard's setup, and and I've done myself in, 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 over the past may not be as factual as I once thought it was. Um, we had a centre back partnership of Mings and Kanza this day. In the midfield was Nakamba, Ramsey and McGinn, and um, I am sorry, but I'm going to keep on um making um. Making up for any any spending mistakes that I see here, so just keep I've been marking my own homework just in case anybody else is watching. And the strikers we had were Buendia, Watkins, and Ings. Now you'll see from, you'll see from time here that there will be times where we will have uh, Watkins, and Ings, on the team where why we'll it would be a two tens formation, and that's really because Watkins did kind of play as a ten um, when Stephen Gerrard first came in. He didn't play as that number one striker and he was given a kind of a roving role. And it was only then when we moved to kind of playing with the two with the two strikers that, uh, that it became um, more apparent uh, as to what we were doing when Coutinho came into the team. So, uh, just you know, a lot of people would say, well, we've got two strikers in the field there. Is that not two nines? In this instance, Watkins was played in a more withdrawn role. Um, and 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 that was a thing at the start of Stephen Gerrard's uh, tenure uh, with the team. Uh, when we look at our shot map here against Brighton, if you remember, this game as well it was pretty abject. We were only all right. Brighton were worse than us, and the day I think was really the the, the big thing from this. We scored two goals later on in the game, and um, we made some changes uh, that really kind of brought uh, that really brought the, um, uh, the, the 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 kind of brought the best out of the team. But we got two late goals. Like we we didn't score until five minutes from the end. If you remember, Raleigh Watkins scores um i think it was something like the 84th minute and then ming scored with the last more or less the last kick of the game i think it was 90th 91st minute um or something like that so you know we didn't exactly go out and control this game this was a game whereby we really felt our way into it we the two nil scoreline kind of flattered us you know if, if for want of a better word because you know we didn't have we didn't own possession in this game we didn't uh we, we had a decent enough expected goals in this. We we were passed off the field by Brighton, like they had sixty they had over sixty percent possession in this game. Um we didn't create a massive amount of of big chances, we weren't very accurate with our passing. Uh so there were there were aspects of this game that were not perfect. Tyrone Bing scored from a corner, um, if you guys remember that, and then Ali Watkins scored. We just had a fast break, and Ali Watkins scored a pretty good goal um in the 84th minute as well so uh we did have more shots and uh, shots uh in the game than uh than brighton so we did more in an attacking sense but we didn't have an awful lot of the ball so it wasn't a perfect performance by any by any stretch of the imagination here um one of the things that uh that you'll see from this game is we take a look at the um we take a look at some of the substitutions that were made uh throughout the game so some of the subs that were brought on there you've got bailey was brought on for ings uh, Ashley Young was brought on for Bundy, and Ashley Young got an assist in that game as well. And El Ghazi was brought on for uh, Ramsey. So do, do you guys remember when we were bringing on El Ghazi left, right and center at the start of the season? Yeah, and, and he's gone to Everton and isn't really getting much of a sniff in at Everton now. Um, but that's the way our first game went. Like our first game wasn't perfect, but it means it. Stretch of the imagination, but the biggest takeaway from this first game was for me is our positional setup here. And you look at it, Nakamba is fitting in as a sec- as a third centre half, and and we, you know that that was pivotal in the way that Steven Gerrard um, Steven Gerrard did did want us to set up at the start of the season. We can see our fullbacks went high, but they didn't go massively high. Yeah, they went as they went as far as the, as the um as the halfway line. We can see that we have a wider base in midfield with regards to McGinn and and Ramsey. We can see that they're a bit wider. Yes, we're conceding a lot of space in the middle of midfield, but we're also kind of, uh, it's like the flying V formation. If any of you have seen Mighty Ducks, the film, uh, that's the way our attack kind of uh, filtered out. So we were able to protect the fast break coming into the middle of midfield. We had men back with regards to Nakamba, uh, um, Taro Mings and, and Kanza, And we can see that we aren't, we're not, we're not exactly a low block here when we're, when we're defending, but we're not exactly really high pressed up as well. You know, we have players back there. That can um, they can fill in. So, the structure of this for me is okay. Yeah, we're giving giving we're conceding uh places in the midfield or conceding space in the midfield. And like this is why Aston Villa kind of want to get we want to get a team kind of set up like this so that we can get Coutinho on the ball in the middle of the field here. Um, it worked out well for us against Brighton. They didn't really have that X factor player that could come in and get uh, and get somebody on the ball. They um, gosh, I can't remember who was playing kind of in a in a more advanced role for them that day. But uh, they had the likes of, I, remember, I think, Lallana was behind Trossard that day. And they really wanted to kind of stifle us. They had uh, Motor and Gross um, in the middle of midfield alongside Basuma. But Basuma passed the ball all day long. And he had one of his better, more metronomic games that day. So that's the first day against Brighton. Big takeaways for me were the setup that we had there. The fact that things didn't go right. We had a small change in, in personnel. Ashley Young came on. We scored a goal. And then we scored from a corner as well, which is something that we had lacked because we started off the season scoring lots from corners. Uh, Crystal Palace then next the two one win. Matty Target comes up from out of nowhere and scores a goal. Uh, John McGinn um, is also uh, a man possessed and scored a goal in in this game. And um, when we look at it, this was this game was a bit weirder because we seemed to play Arguably, we could you could say that we played two wingers in this game. And the reason that I'm going to say that is, yes, they didn't set up as two wingers. They kind of set up as two tens, but they were tasked with breaking wide in this. So this positional map, you'll see me talk about positional maps. They don't tell them. They don't tell absolutely 100% the full story. So this is the average position, average position of the players. So what we can see here is that we've got Leon Bailey and we've got Ashley Young in the middle of midfield here. Neither of the two of those would really be known as tens. They're more wider players. They did break left and right, you know, during the course of the game. I've put I've so that I I'm I'm classing this as a two wingers setup, even though it isn't. Okay, completely understand that two wingers isn't something you're going to see massive, massively, throughout here. But way we played this is we condensed it in the middle of midfield. We broke wide against against Crystal Palace and we attacked down we attacked them um, down the wings. So that's something that we did do. Um, I suppose in hindsight I probably would change this to two tens, but the way we played was more with more. With there with two more traditional wingers that were starting off inside and going wide and um, probably a small bit more traditionally the way that Steven Gerrard played with Rangers actually if you think about it his two tens would start off it would start off very very narrow and they would break wide and um, with, with with Rangers as well another huge thing that we see here is watch how far back Mkamba is once again he's in between the spacing between defense here is beautiful absolutely beautiful like, look at that spacing. Nakamba's almost playing as the third center half. Maddie Cash isn't tasked with going too far forward. Here we've got a nice little block set up here um, between our, our, our uh, McGinn and Ramsey once more. Um, Center-back partnership is McGinn and Kanza. Naber Ramsey, uh, or sorry, Mings and Kanza. Nakamba, Ramsey and uh, Ramsey and McGinn are the midfield partnership, and then Young Watkins and Bailey. Looking at our shot maps, a couple of concerning things with our shot map is that we didn't get too many shots in and around the box. Like who's shooting from out here is is uh like that's that's a worry that people are shooting from that type of an angle because you know if we are creating these uh, these chances that we need to create, well then we shouldn't be shooting from out there. And if I remember rightly, that was Ashley Young in the twenty fourth minute had a shot there, but it was saved. So our two goals came from Maddie Target scored from a corner and uh, John McGinn scored a pearler from uh, with his left foot. Uh, from regular play, um, I think it had a tiny XG. Now, once again, target scored in the first first half, very early on, the first fifteen minutes, and McGinn um, um, scored late on again to kind of wrap that one up for us. Because, as we know, Crystal Palace did come back with a goal from um, from Gray in uh, ninety. 90- plus minutes. So it was an injury time. And um, he scored from a sec piece there as well. Once again, we were passed off the park ball possession was 63% to crystal palace, 37% to Aston Villa. So Jared came in saying he wanted to, wanted to dominate possession. He wanted to shore us up at the back, started off being well shored up at the back. Our possession stats weren't there. And, uh, you know, we kind of, once again, we won this one without playing massively well. Marvelous Nakamba was fantastic in this game. John McGinn was very, very good in this game. It was one of his better games, um, and and the two fullbacks played excellently as well in this game too. Uh, looking at some of the substitutions made, Douglas Luiz came on to replace uh, Jacob Ramsey. El Ghazi once again came on to play, replace uh, Bailey, and Bundia didn't start this game. He came on to play as Ashley Young. So when we looked at the starting teams uh, in Jared's early uh, early tenure. We see that he favored experience and people who come in there maybe get his idea ahead in Ashley Young over the likes of Bundia, who was going through a bit of a rough patch that, that time of the season. Moving on to the Man City game. Oops, where am I? Sorry there, guys. Moving on to Man City. So Man City are here. Uh, we lost this game 2-1. It was a home game once again. Watkins scored the goal in this game. This is the game where Kanye had, uh, had uh was true on Addison in the last few minutes. Did uh, Addison pull off, or sorry, not Addison, Ederson pull off a brilliant save. We played with two 10s here again. Um, and uh, this this was a more interesting setup, I think, uh, that we had seen in a long time from the uh, from um, Stephen Gerrard because... You know, the, the we played Douglas Luiz an awful lot further forward. Like, once again, look at our setup here. Our setup here is just really good defensively. It's really good. There's no kamikaze in, in this team here. We have our almost like a flat five at the back. And we, we played well against Man City here. Douglas Luiz is further forward than we normally, we normally see him. Look at him here. He's in around Bundia. Realistically, I suppose, if you had to be really realistic about this, we played a 4-5-1 with Watkins kind of almost isolated up there in his own. We did have the pace of of Bailey in here on the right hand side, um, to help out. But John McGinn was very much uh, helping here uh, on this to to maybe nullify the likes of uh, I think Chancelo played in this game, and uh, and and their, their their winger prowess that they would have. But unfortunately, we didn't win this game. We didn't win this game, but we did have some shots, and we did have quite a few shots uh, in the game. Um, one of the big things in this, though, was that we had players injured. Players got injured and, and, and they got injured at inopportune times. So um, Leon Bailey got injured in the 31st minute. He wasn't exactly playing brilliantly, but he wasn't playing poorly either when, um, when he was on the field. So he was he was, he was, he was doing okay, you know, and, and it was uh, his pace. We lost his pace and Ashley Young came on for him um, on the on the 31st minute. Bernardo Silva scores then the 43rd minute. Uh, which was a real, uh, sorry, Bernardo Ruben Diaz scored in the 27th minute and then Bernardo Silva scored the cracker then just on the stroke of time, which was a real gut check for us because we'd come back into, we looked like maybe we were getting in there at 1-0. Uh, things weren't going massively well for us. Second half started, we scored almost straight away from Molly Watkins, brought on Chuck Muecke who came on for Matty Target, which was an intriguing substitution considering we were taking off our left back and bringing on a more forward-thinking midfield player in that, that instance. So we brought on Chuck Umeca for Matt Target, and Morgan Sanson came off the bench as well for Marvellous Nakamba in the 77th minute. Um, our old friend Jack Breelish came off the bench in the 87th minute too. As I say, Chuck Mecca missed a chance in the very last moment uh, for that one. So uh, it was a great save, should I say, that, that, that Edison made. He didn't miss it. It was a great save. And, and this is something we could have got something out of. But once again, looking at our setup here is very intriguing. Uh, Leicester, once again, Leicester was a win for us, 2-1 win. Very much the set-piece uh, situation here. I went through this in the Leicester preview. I'm not going to go through it too much here. Kanza scored two goals. We played with two tens. Our defensive setup looks really good here again, although there are gaps here. We defended back a lot further. further um, we pushed back with our, with our defense. I would imagine that was to try and stifle any attacks from the likes of Harvey Barnes um, and his massive pace that were coming because he did score early in that game. We had Mings and Kanza centre-back partnership, midfield of Nakamba, Luis and McGinn, and strikers were Buendia, uh, Watkins and Ramsey, which was really interesting to see Ramsey push further forward. We can see a lot of experimentation in Steven Gerrard's first first couple of games, and it's something that I wanted to see, and it's something that i like to see. And to be honest with you, bar our centre-back partnership in our midfield, it's it's something that I probably want to see a small bit more of uh, because it tends to get very much uh, standardised as we get down through the year. Our shot map against Leicester was brilliant. I really love this shots in in the in the area. We peppered them with uh, with set pieces and crosses, and we had two wild ones um, from outside the box as well. As I mentioned, Sanson came in from Louise, Carney came on for Bundia, and Axel Toonzaby made one of his rare appearances as he came on for Jacob Ramsey. So that is the Leicester game. Uh, on to Liverpool, and we can see, once again, the setup here for Liverpool. We, we lost 1-0 away to Liverpool here. A 4-4-1-1 formation, essentially, is what we played here. It was very much backs to the wall. Once again, we can see Mings was the furthest man back here. Um, he does give away a penalty in this game to to uh, Mohamed Salah. Um, it was actually almost nearly over in this very... Very area of the field, contentious penalty. But we see Nakamba and uh, Mings and and Kanza setting up here. Our fullbacks still maybe maybe a bit far forward in this instance here. But we're packing the midfield. We can see here we've we've got a wall um, to stop their midfield and stop them passing through through us here of uh, Ramsey, uh, Douglas, Louise, and McGinn, um, and then we've got Ashley Young who is playing up behind Ali um, Watkins. Uh, So we played a different formation. So once again, we've played three or four different formations in this and setups in the first couple of games. So the rigidity that Stephen Jarrett had been labeled with wasn't really there in the first few games. Um, Our shot map, obviously, in this game, we didn't do a whole pile. You know, it was it was pretty dismal. We had four shots and someone shot from an absolutely ridiculous angle out here as well. Um, once again, injuries were a big uh, question of the day here. Nakamba gets injured, Sanson comes on for him, and 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 we don't see Nakamba from here on in, you know. And we hopefully we'll see him at the weekend. But, but Bundia comes on for Young, and Ings comes on for Ramsey. So we're seeing a lot of Sanson coming on. We're seeing a lot of Bundia coming on, and uh, uh, in the first couple of games. But once again, not one that we would have marked down as point that we would potentially would have won, and we came away with a, with a, with a, a one 0 loss. Um, Norwich then are up, and we played very well against Norwich. Uh, 2-0 win away with Ramsey and Watkins scoring. Uh, 2-10 set up here once more. We can see that now in this game, our fullbacks are gone massively forward. Watch the difference, guys. This is exactly it. This is a turning point in the season. I'm going to go so far as to say it is. Yes, we won 2-0, but look where, look where Nakamba is here, number 19. Look where he steps out, right in between the two centre-halves. We will not see anybody between the two centre-halves from here on in. So there's there's a lot in this and this is really where where the, the 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 switch kind of flicked, I think, for for like our setup here is is disjointed. It's look like we need players further back. We need Manny Cash needs to be further back. I know we're playing against a team that drew us on and that you know we were expected to beat and we did we needed to attack against, but this wasn't just the setup that we would have had in this game. It's a, it's a trend throughout here, from here on in. We Mings and Cons at, at the back, Louise McGinn and Ramsey is a trend that happens uh, from here on in as well. Buendia, Watkins and Young were the people who started off. Once again, Ashley Young being favored again in the early, early in Stephen Jarrett's tenure to to take up that role of maybe offering a small bit of leadership at the top. Uh, we peppered their goals. We had shots from absolutely everywhere. And as I say, we had goals from Ramsey and Watkins in that day. Um, but the the substitutions made were Ings came on for Young, Carney came on for Bundy, and Tuanzebi came on for McGinn as well. So at this stage, we were really looking to play Toonzaby really in midfield, um, and maybe at this stage, Stephen Jared is even thinking who's going to be my defensive midfielder, because as we can see here, Douglas Louise, if he, if Douglas Louise is supposed to be a six, he ain't playing as a six in this in this. And look, I completely understand the opposition that we're playing against, um, but it's it's it's. It's night and day. The two setups are night and day. You look at this as a nice a nice setup. Well, it's obviously against Liverpool. We go back here. We Look at this. It's a nice setup uh, for the team that we have to this, whereby we're, uh, like we're very top-heavy here. And it's, 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 it's unfair on the two centre-halves to have all this ground to cover. And no wonder they've caught out of the position. Chelsea at home, then a 3-1 loss. We had a Rhys-James on goal was our score, and this day we played with two nines. Um, so this is one of the first games we went with two strikers. Douglas Louise does tend to lay back and might the house a small bit more, but we don't have that, that structure in midfield. If Like in previous games when we've played top teams, Nakamba is back much further, almost in between the two center halves. Our full backs are a bit high here as well, but we can see that we've got um, that we've uh, our, our midfield. Actually, this, this is incorrect here. That's Sanson that started this game. Uh, so we have um, Sanson, Douglas, Louise, and Ramsey that are in, uh, in midfield here. And we can see that we've got Bundia, Ings, and Watkins. And Ings and Watkins were played further, far, for, f- further forward in this game as well. I would imagine because at the time Chelsea were playing a three at the back system. Maybe it was a case of trying to push them up, push up on them, so we would have to keep their midfielders back a small bit. Didn't work. And we got beaten one, 3 1 in this game. Shot map, as you can see here, we were being restricted the more shots out, out the field. So we didn't get an awful lot of the ball. We didn't get an awful lot of uh, progression with the ball and so on. So Chelsea not really one that went against too much depth into just other than we can see that our, our formation here is beginning to scatter. Um, after the Leicester game, after the Liverpool game, should I say, even our formation begins to scatter. We look at our formation here again once more. Our defensive midfielder is on an island and he's on in the middle of midfield there. There's a complete another tram line all the way down the middle of our... Of, uh, once, once you take Douglas Lewis out of there, he's just literally a pin in the grenade as such and it's waiting to explode. Our, our positional awareness and our positional sense against Brentford was not great. Uh, we got caught. We got caught against Brentford with two goals, specifically the one at the back post, the, the winner from um, the right back, whose name I can't pronounce. You know, we lost two one in this game. Danny Ings scores. They come back. They get two goals. We completely take our foot off the foot off the pedal here. Um, it was a really really strange game. It was a game where we started with with uh Bertrand Traore and Buendia behind Danny Ings. We had McGinn, Louise, and Ramsey, and we started with Courtney House and Konza because Mings was uh, was not uh, available for this game. Really, really weird weird game, as I say. Weird setup that we have here. Um. And with the metronomic kind of passing that Brentford have in the middle, with the likes of Yanlit and and Norgaard, um, and, and also the fact that they're busy, they're a busy team. Um, you know, we just conceded so much, so much ground in the middle of midfield, specifically in the second half, and then we got caught in the break with with two with two pretty pretty rubbish goals. Um, substitutions. Our, our shot map here was quite okay. Once again, a lot of shots from outside the box, which is something I, you know, it's. Grand, they they go in from time to time and they look they look fantastic, but you know it's it's something I'd like to see us work into the box a small bit more, specifically when you've got the, the, the craft and guile of someone like Treori up there and Bundia. And you know, Danny Ings is a finisher, so you'd be expecting to try and get balls into the box, although he hasn't been, been his clinical finisher um for for this season, specifically with Aston Villa, which has been something that's been annoying. I know a lot of fans. Well, he made two subs in this game. A rare Fourier, where we didn't make our three substitutions in the game. We brought on Sansan for Ramsey, and we brought on uh, Trezeguet for Truro. Trezeguet only appearance um, for under, under Stephen Jarrett. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. We move on to Manchester United where we drew two all. I've left out the FA Cup game. This is league games only. Uh, i've left out the fa cup game so just in case anybody's wondering where that is uh, i haven't put this in here this is only uh, league games uh, we drew two all at manchester united this is the start of the coutinho era jacob Ramsey and coutinho scored our goals we played definitely played with two tens once again when we look at our average positions here i don't like this setup that much and um, once again i want my defensive midfielder back a small a bit further um, I want my maybe Jacob Ramsey to be back a small a bit further here. In hindsight, we were looking to get in and around Coutinho to get little short wall passes off him when he came on. Before he came on, we had Buendia in that position. And as you can see, Buendia and Ings were there just trying to get those wall passes, trying to pull defenders out out of position, to see if we could get in behind them. It didn't really work. didn't really work and it waited for us. We had to turn it on when Coutinho came on. We really turned on the style and, and we, we could have won this game 3-2. Um, uh, for sure, but once again, looking at our defensive setup here, there are questions, there are holes all over the place. And to be honest with you, the amount of work that, McGinn, uh, that Mings and and Kanza have to do, um, if there is a if there is a quick break or if there's a long ball over the top here, and if it, like they, they have no margin for error, and that's not it's not fair in the centre half partnership. It's completely different. Once again, when we if we were to look back at the Leicester game, it's completely different to how we set up there. There is a margin of error. There's someone back there that can mop up the ball. The gap, with the spacing here is not great. Not great once more. Um, Luca Dean played this game also. We can see um, that he is further further up and he's always been tasked with with doing absolutely everything on that left-hand side, which in hindsight, as I say, I like him. He does an awful lot in an attacking sense um, and he does an awful lot in a defending sense as well. But I think I think we're going to need to get him more help over there in time to come, specifically with the attacking side of things, because uh, he just can't be allowed to go that far, far forward. Um, on a regular basis, specifically against every single team because we're just, everybody wants to go forward. Uh, And and it's a trend that's creeping in since the Liverpool game. We can see it here. So a shot map was really good against Manchester United in and around the box. We were working targets, we were working shots. um, And, uh, you know, a lot of that was in the second half. We had Courtney House come on for Kanza, who got injured in this game. Coutinho came on for Sanson. And uh, Kearney came on for Ings later on in the game as well. So once again, we're seeing different substitutions come on here. We're seeing different people start. And there is an element, once again, of less rigidity and trying more players in more positions. Um, which, you know, I would have expected uh, from somebody like Stephen Gerrard when they came in not knowing the full team. Everton away was a 1-0 win, uh, a weird goal, and uh, maybe a header from a corner. We played two tens this game as well. Once again, massively open again back in defense. The space between the two center halves is absolutely huge. Uh, we were just playing against an Everton team that had lots of chances at times, but couldn't capitalize on any of them. Um, once again, I'm it's going to be continual here. The Douglas Louise position should be for, further back here to make me feel a small, small bit safer about the situation. And I think there is a massive gap on the, on the right hand side there that Matty Cash has complete and utter acreage to get into here. So the spacing of our players here isn't exactly ideal. I can understand it once again that we have Coutinho and Brundia who started in, in, in the middle of midfield here. And um, maybe once again, the intricate sharp passing was something they wanted to do. But it seems that we, we wanted to completely. Um, not use our pace not use pace in this instance um, and wanted to pass around players to create make make sure we were trying to drag players out of position and um, before we used our pace and it's something that i'm not sure works because if we break down um if if the if the um the attack breaks down you know you've committed so many people into small areas whereby we're leaving gaps around around other parts of the field so it's it's not an ideal situation. I can understand why it would be done. It looks pretty at times, but the, the, the ceiling is high. Um, or see c- the ceiling is low and the floor is Uh, the floor is even lower. I think for something like that, because as I say, if it does break down, we get caught in the counter or we get caught, um, overrun in midfield. And as we know, our midfield is not our strength at the moment. Shot map was, pr- was pretty okay. You know, it was, it was uneventful. Like we've had three shots from ridiculous places out here, um, which aren't ideal. You know, it, it like, we, we're not seeing them flying for Aston Villa Football Club. We haven't seen them flying for Aston Villa Football Club since Tommy Hitzelsberger left the club. So, you know, we're a lot of those are hitting hopes until until I see any different. And that's something I would errat- try and eradicate um, f- some players from doing, um, if that makes sense. We made three substitutions. Kearney came on for Coutinho, Ings for Watkins, and House for Buendia. Um I'm going to go on a small a little bit more here because we're, we're in a kind of a... Uh, a decent period here where we're winning, losing, winning uh, and, and and winning the ones we should win. And we're going to get into more um, kind of difficult situations in a moment. 3-3 three, three, draw, draw with Leeds. One of the best performances over a short period of time that we had, we've had in the season so far. Coutinho got one goal. Ramsey got two crackers. We played with two 10s and the two 10s were... Um, Bundia and, or sorry, the two the, the two tens were, were Bundia and, and uh, Coutinho. But as we saw in the field that Ramsey was given a license to run past midfield and, and take the ball um, when Coutinho made, made um, hay up there. Once again, you know, we can see why our defense is struggling. There's just massive gap in there. There's a huge gap in there. Um, you know, our midfield structure is very flat in a lot of ways here. Do, John McGinn is so far back here. Trying, probably trying to counteract. Gosh, I don't even know who he would have counteracted on that day because Rafinha was over on the opposite side with Dina. But look how far Dina is forward in comparison here. So we're a bit lopsided in our setup. It's not the worst. It's not the worst setup in the world, as I say. But we're, it's just so different to how the start of the season was. So different. Um, and I don't know whether this is some tactical change that Jared has made or whether it's the fact that Douglas Luiz doesn't have the positional discipline and it's not a kick Douglas Louise situation. I just don't know. It's not a question I can answer from this. All I can do is highlight the fact that we're probably not seeing the position it, and, and the defensive midfield position played in the most optimal way here. Whether it's, uh, we, But we've no idea what way he's been coached to do on, on, on the field or what way the team has been set up to play since Coutinho came in at this stage. A shot map was pretty decent as well here. The three goals all came from inside the box. I'm a I'm a fan of trying to work the ball to 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 get scores and opportunistic and, and advantageous positions. I don't like seeing shots wasted. Um, but then again, if you do have opportunities to take shots from outside the box, I'm not against it either. Um, substitutions that came on was Kearney came on for Bundia who got injured. Young came on for Coutinho and Chambers came on for Ramsey. We remember that that um uh, the Chambers um, had just signed for Aston Villa at this stage. Things are still looking up, and this is probably a turning point, I think, when in the Newcastle game, the Kieran Trippier midfield, our um, free kick from the edge of the box hits off when Dia goes into the back of the net with no answer for Newcastle. And Newcastle have gone on to win however many, I think is at 9 and 13 so far. Um, Our setup for this game here once more, we started off with Chambers and Kanza um as chambers and, and Mings in the two center halves. We packed out middle and midfield here. We made John Joshelvi look like a hero. Um, we couldn't get Coutinho on the ball because we packed out the whole lot of midfield. Look at like the reckless nature of getting our getting our fullbacks so high. We got a lot of we had a, a decent amount of possession in this game where we, we created some chances. But there's it's like like the the whole thing is shifted. It's like okay, you two guys defend and we'll make something happen up top. Like Luke Dean is our is our second furthest forward player here. Matty Cash is probably our fourth fourth furthest forward player. We don't have the spacing in midfield like we did previously. Remember when we looked at at, at games at the start? I'll just just scroll back here. Games at the start of the season, we have a bit more spacing here, um, where we can see this one is 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 a good uh, example of it. We've got we've got Nakamba right in the middle of the defense. We've got a better spacing in midfield here against Crystal Palace. Now, when we go back down towards, uh, towards Newcastle, our spacing isn't there. We're all up on top of each other. And we've got massive gaps that teams can just play in over, over the top of our fullbacks. And then our centre-halves are scrambling to get out towards that ball. So it's, it's, not, a, it's not a good setup. It's not, you can't play kamikaze football like that. It, it's, it's borderline kamikaze football. And uh, you know it, we weren't getting massive, massive, massive amounts of, of attacking intent from it either. We have Bundia, Watkins and Coutinho up top. Looking at our shot map here. Like, look here again, our shot map. A lot of the, the majority of our shots were from outside the box. So what are we really getting here from playing those fullbacks very, very, very high up? Stifling our creativity, not being able to work the ball in the box, not being able to play massive counterattacks. It was just a frustrating game. Really frustrating game. Substitutions brought on where Bailey brought on for Bundia, Ings brought on for Watkins and Kearney brought on for McGinn. Uh, Newcastle game for me was one of the more frustrating games of the season, and Watford didn't get much better. We absolutely peppered Watford in this in uh in the game we played them, and we how we lost this game is beyond my comprehension of the game of football. It really is. Um, our midfield set up an awful lot flatter as we can see here. Once again, I think we're still like even though we're playing against a team like Watford that we were peppering. You know, we need to have that buffer zone back there because once again, Luke Dean is, is the third highest forward player, or third highest playing player in the field and uh, um, Matty Cash is the fifth highest playing player in the field here we need some sort of a buffer I think back here The, the distance our midfield the concession that we have in midfield is too much it really is too much. And, and if you're conceding that, that area in midfield, at least not be conceding it when you're coming back against the play, should I say, when you're, when you're trying to retreat back to goal. At least concede it when you're looking at it and you're play, it's being played in front of you. So, with our defensive midfielder and the likes of, McGinn, or the likes of uh, Luis here, should I say, if he's 15, 20 yards back further, at least we're keeping the play in front of us. But you, like, the second that your defensive midfielder has to turn and start running, the second your two fullbacks have to turn and start running, one of your centre-halves has to engage out, out, out wide. And then you've got somebody trying to get back into a defensive position who's liable to make a mistake or um, is not having the ball played in front of them and therefore they can't judge what's going on. And they're only reacting to one area, the one place they can see is, who has the ball and who am I chasing? You don't have that wide vision of where other people are moving. That's if you're going backwards. That's just fact. You know, And that's what annoys me about this setup, a small bit. Not a small bit, a, lot, a big bit. Um, our shot map, look at it. Too many to mention, to be honest with you. We had tons of shots from outside the box. We had tons of shots from inside the box. But the one shot that mattered was the, was the, the goal that Watford got. And and it was a sickener. It was a real cruel blow. And uh, you know, Watkins came on for Louise. Young came on for Cash, and Bailey came on for Buendia. We went for it. We pushed a lot of forward players on, and we got caught in the break. And I think it was naive from the the, the substitutions that were made here. That you know, we come out of a, we came out a Newcastle game with a draw. We come out a Watford game with a draw. Yes, we would have drawn three games in a row. But I think people feel a lot better about those two games. Obviously, because we would have picked something up in them, and this is where we need to turn these losses instead of going gung ho into draws. Came back against Brighton, the team we've liked to play an awful lot. We had cash and Watkins score. We played two two nines in this game here. Uh, once again, our midfield is a small bit a small bit scattered, uh, as we can say. As you can see, our midfield got a lot flatter. But look at all of the the space we're taking up here uh, from each other. It's our three our three forward players. You could throw a blanket over them, as the old phrase goes. I don't like this. Like we need to have a bit more structure there than everybody takes up the one position. Um, and then if we are going to do that, we need to have a very, very, very solid block um in defense. And we just don't have it. Like look at all this the space that's here. You've all these players have to track back. And you know, if you've got three or four players, as I said before, you're running back, you're only able to look at one man and you can't affect the player in front of you. You can't anticipate anything if you're running backwards. So it's just it's I don't know and, and I don't know who's to blame with regards to it. I, I, I find it very difficult based on how the team was set up at the start of the season to think that the team is now set up like this. But I could be wrong. As I say, I could be wrong. I don't know. Um shot map here once again. We had the goal from, from Cash, which was was uh, from outside the box, and um the goal from Watkins then uh, uh was was inside the box here, but we'd a pretty decent shot map. Um, Sanson came on for Louise, Young came on for Ings and then we saw Young Tim come on for Coutinho at this stage things were still high there was still there was was a decent thought here about where things were going we won against Brighton won against 4-0 against Southampton which was a real great win Watkins, Louise, Coutinho and Ings played the two nines one of the first times that I think people really like I know we played played two nines against Brighton and stuff but this is one of the ones where it really clicked you know it really really clicked for us Mings and Chambers played in this game as well Two center halves, Luis McGinn and Ramsey, Ings, Watkins, and Coutinho, and we've absolutely peppered them with shots. There was no there was no other winner in this game other than Aston Villa. We were just on fire, and it was a real pleasure to watch this game. Uh Sanson came on for Ings, Bailey came on for Ramsey, and Bundia came on for Coutinho. We were a lot more open once again, as I say, we're still we're seeing the the, the gaps and this and the spacing between our two center halves is far too much without having that defensive midfielder in there. But this worked for us and You know, this is one thing I'm sure Stephen Jarrett will point to is that when it works, it works really well. But when it doesn't, it's absolutely dire. You know, we get caught badly and our defenders make mistakes. And, you know, you can talk about, oh, defenders are making mistakes. They shouldn't make mistakes. But like the fact that they're being left so open and wide um you know they have to do something. If they don't go to somebody, they're making a mistake. If they do go to somebody, they're making a mistake because they've they've got so much yard so much yardage to cover up for. Our midfield needs to do more and defensively, and it ju- it's just apparent when we see the setups. It really is. It's just so apparent. we move on then to Leeds win, 3-0 away. I think we're on the crest of a wave. Coutinho, Cash and Chambers, we'll never forget that goal from Chambers that he scored. We played two nines again here. Set up very, very linear in midfield here. Once again, Luca Dean, really, really far forward. Don't have that, that defensive midfielder here, but, you know, we do have two people kind of picking up the ball in the middle of midfield. Once again, when it works, it works really well. We've scored two goals. We've scored four goals. We've scored three goals. You know, nine goals in three games. That's That's that was big for us at the time. Things were really looking up and this this two nines was working and we were kind of getting away with it at the back because of the fact that, you know, we we still didn't have that defensive cover. Maybe it was because Chambers was in there and he was a bit more mobile, mobile. Alongside Mings. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not going to castigate Kanza because I am a big Kanza fan as well. But looking at this setup here, and once again it's horses for courses and we're playing against the team that plays a very high line. And we went out there and we really schooled them in that game. You know, our shot map was pre- was really, really good. Look at it, you know, we, we we had shots from from literally anywhere and we were we were trying to trying to score goals and creating good chances. We saw Sanson again, we saw Buendia for Coutinho, and we saw uh, Ashley Young come on for Douglas Louise. And it's at this, start, this point here that the wheels are starting to fall off. The game against West Ham, we thought we could go in there. We could get something out of it. West Ham were poor. They brought on Yarmolenko. He scores. And, uh, you know, we really don't have any answer for that. We played with the two nines again. You know what? The strange thing about this is we set up our team brilliantly this day. Brilliantly. And we stifled West Ham. West Ham didn't have an awful lot of attacking intent. They, they brought off Mikel Antonio. They brought on Yarmolenko. And it was when they got the goal, they got belief. And then they could run from there. And once again, <coughs> excuse me, once again, Mings and Chambers did really well. They stifled Mikel Antonio. I know he hasn't been playing brilliantly every, of, of late. Um, but still, he's a handful to deal with up there. Um, our shot map was really good. We worked the ball into the box. We had chances. We had chances. The goal that Ramsey scored was an absolute banger. I know we were 2-0 down at that stage and bring it back to 2-1. But it was a really great goal. We, Luke Dean got injured early on in this game. He'd go off with the with the with the hamstring injury. Uh, Ashley Young comes on at left back. Um, Bailey comes on for Ings. Bundia comes on for Luis. So we kind of had to chase at this stage. We were bringing Bailey and, and Bundia on um, later on in the game. Again, we should have at least got a point out of again, you know. And you're turning losses into draws. It just there's a feel good factor about things. Like if we're one 0 down and Ramsey pings that one into the top corner with only three or four minutes left. Excuse me, I can't remember when it was. You know, we feel an awful lot better about this game, but it's not. It's a 2-1 loss, and we feel like we have chucked away at least one point, you know, because West Ham didn't play really great against us. Go on to the Arsenal game. Completely let them do what they wanted in the first 20 minutes and only started to attack in the last 20 uh, and to see if we could get something back. The goal Sacco score, Saka, um, Saka scores is really preventable goal. It comes from a free kick that probably shouldn't have been given, but we completely tuned out for the free kick. Emmy Martinez gets stick for not saving it. It comes through a forest of bodies. That's, I'm, I'm not too concerned about that. Um, You know, it was a good strike. It was, you know, it was an opportunistic strike. I, I don't really blame Martinez for, him. I blame us more so for the fact that we literally just stood back and applauded Arsenal for the first 25, 30 minutes. Our setup was only okay. Putting Ashley Young that high up in in, in a defensive position for me is a bit mad. Uh, Jacob Ramsey played really well, I thought, in this game. And um, he is, you know, he's ta- we're tasked with trying to plug this here with three players. It, it's like we're not really sure what we're doing here in midfield and we're following players around. You know, these maps can kind of tell a story about where we're dragged out of position too. this very much looks like we're dragged out of position in a lot of in a lot of instances here. Because traditionally, we just haven't set up like that. Even even when we were playing well, and when we're not playing well, we haven't set up like this. We're being dragged out of position. But fair play to Jacob Ramsey, trying to do something. We've seen him play in a in a forward 10 position. We've seen him come back help out as a 6 here. We've seen him play as an 8. We've seen him play a bit, a bit further wider this season. He has been probably our standout player of the season so far. And, uh, you know, you'd expect a 19, 20-year-old baby to be dragged out of position from time to time. Because these are only nineteen twenty, it's the it's the more more senior players that we wouldn't like. What's Buendia doing back here in a sixth position? Is is he being tasked with that? Is he being tasked to, to follow somebody? You know, I, I'm not quite sure. They would have set up with Party and and I think it was Xhaka played as their two um their their two defensive midfielders here. We we seem to give them time and space, and they're not bad footballers. And if I remember rightly, Thomas Party had a fantastic game this game this day too. Our shot map was. Meager. Our shots inside the box came at the end of the game. You know, we probably could have got a one-all draw out of this. I think we would have been fortunate to do so. But uh, the substitutions that were made were: Traore came on for Ramsey, Bailey came on for Bundy, Innings came on for Watkins. You know, in this game, so we're beginning to see. You know, it's a case of let's throw attacking talent at, at at the field as opposed to maybe. Let's look for a, a statistic or, or a tactical change that we can make to shore us up and maybe create a better fluidity and transition of attack as opposed to let's bring on pace and, and another striker. I'm a bit concerned about that. You know, I don't know. Do we have that player that can come in and dictate pace in the middle of midfield and 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 draw people out? Can we change that tactic on the fly? I think this game showed that we. We did come into it when we try trying the attacking talent, but uh, when you look back at other games, like the Watford game, it shows that we can't really just turn on that that guile when we need to do it. Uh, Wolves, again, not going to spend too much time here on Wolves. We were dating to the cleaners against Wolves. Um, Wasn't a really, really we had a lot of shots against Wolves, should I say? You know, Watkins scored from the penalty spot at the end. Another game we probably could have got a draw from. It would have been a snap, a smash and grab draw, absolutely, because Wolves were just so on top in the first half. Um, but like our our, our setup here, John McGinn was playing as a six this day. We started with with Bailey and we started with Sanson in in midfield too. Um, you know, once again, I'm not quite sure that the midfield looks very jointed there. Um, we played with Bailey as a t- uh, uh, up top as a nine. He was the furthest forward player. He was pretty ineffectual. Couldn't get his pace going at all. You know, and we couldn't get his pace going because we we couldn't get a, a foothold in the game. We couldn't get a foothold in the game at all. Uh, Luka Dean goes off early, Ashley Young comes on. You know, stifles. I think that really does stifle us, to be honest with you, and you guys will know that, and I'm not going to go on a like, broken record. When Luka Dean does have to go off and Ashley Young comes on, we do get less product- productivity or production from that left-back position. Uh, specifically in an attacking in an attacking sense. Uh, next then, we're looking at Spurs, which is the last game, 4-0. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. We were all over the place, to be honest with you. Ashley, or um, not Ashley Young, um, Harry Kane could have his uh, could have his way with us. He was just dropping off into this position. Once again, if Douglas Luiz has the play in front of him and we have somebody else back here in the, in this position, look how crowded we are. Look how far forward Luka Dean is. just doesn't make any sense. This does not make any sense. It doesn't make any tactical sense. And yeah, we did play brilliantly at, at times. And we can see we, we created a ton of chances. But the goals we conceded, guys, were because of this back here. We need to fix it. It's just like, it's no point creating 30 chances in the game if we if we have a big fat duck egg against our name at the end of it. And they have a big four in against their name. You know, it means a hill of beans. If you do that, it means nothing, absolutely nothing. It's a moral victory, and no one wants that. You know, hunker down if you need to. Bring back, bring back your defensive midfielder. Get more structured in defence. Find we've enough good players that we can find a way to create wit without Luca Dean being the third farthest furthest man forward or the second furthest man forward. We've enough good players in the field where we don't need Ings Watkins and uh, and Coutinho to be standing on each other's toes. All in, all within them, um, you know five square feet of each other but like you can see here we're taking our good players out of the game by bottling the players up ourselves is what we're doing or at very worst that's that's a that's a best or at worst what we're doing is we're we have a game plan where we play into certain zones of the field and it's a case of having a man in there and that's that's ridiculously easy to defend So my takeaways from this, guys, from looking at the position analysis and everything here is that the massive drop off in our structure from begin- when Nakamba isn't in the team, it's not just something people are saying, it's actual fact. We do not have that structure there. It's led to us going way too gung-ho far forward, specifically in the full-back positions um, and, and not having anyone back there. It's creating massive um, lack of, uh, of, of coherent spacing in our, in our full-back or in our center-back position, which is making them make mistakes not giving them a pass. A couple of some of the mistakes they've made have been absolutely mindless, but not giving them a pass. And as we can see when we look up top, our players are standing on top of each other at very best or at worst. We've got a specific area that we need to play the ball into and someone has to meet that area, which for me a team should be able to figure that out within the first 10 15 minutes and stop it really easily. And if we don't have ways of 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 uh, making sure that the players that have that bit of guile um if we don't have ways of maybe of of, of giving them autonomy to, to to use that guile, um, well then I don't really know why we have them in the team whatsoever. So there's some really frustrating things, um, that, that I have seen. I don't think it's all Stephen Gerrard's fault. I don't think it's all the ta- the tactics or the system's fault. I think Stephen Gerrard is within his rights to talk about players. Players aren't doing what I want. I can see. Uh, I I can make a very very strong argument that players aren't doing what Stephen Gerrard wants here. I'm just looking at the positional map. Because there is no way in my in, in my mind that you would like there is no no philosophy that I know of, and what do I know? What do I know is 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 a big caveat here, but I don't know of any of any manager that would set up players to have average positions in some of the games that we've seen um, of the positions that, that 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 they have turned out to be in, um specifically in the midfield position and specifically, uh, you know, leaving our defense so open. So, yes, there's lots of blame to go around. We will blame Stephen Gerard for some areas. We will blame the players for some areas. But I think that there's another piece in this as well. So my 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 lasting kind of hypothesis from this as well is that Stephen Gerard is tinkering. He is changing. He is looking. He's experimenting at times. You can see it at the start. Look at his substitutions. We've made a ton of substitutions. Um I'll give you some numbers here. Bailey's been brought on seven times. Bundia's been brought on seven times. Um, Young has been brought on nine times. Carney's been brought on eight times. sanson has been brought on seven times. Inks has been brought on five times. You know, so it's not the same subs every time. A lot of managers get labelled as, oh, he brings on the same guys at the exact same time in games. We're making different substitutions. You know, we've brought on El Ghazi twice when he first came in. Trezeguet's got to go off the bench. Traore's come off the bench twice. Um, you know, Axel Tunzabi was getting games off the bench when he was still here. So, labeling the, the rigidity of Steven Gerrard I think is uh, I think is unfair. Um, you know, when we when we look at at what he's done. Um, when we look at people who scored for scored since uh, Steven Gerrard came in, Watkins has six goals, Mings has one goal, Target has one goal, McGinn has one goal, Kanza has two, Ramsey has five, we've had one one goal Ings has had two goals, Coutinho has had four, Cassius has had two, Luis has had one, and Chambers has had one. So we have a nice split of of goal scorers. Obviously, we'd like to see Ings have more goals, um, and we'd probably like to see our, uh, our set pieces garner more goals, which hasn't been huge since Steven Gerrard came in. But we've got, um, I suppose, really, if we look at, uh, you know, Watkins has six, Ramsey has five, Coutinho has four. You know, so if, if you're talking about, arguably you could say that they're starting in, in more advanced positions. You know, we've gotten 15 goals from those players since uh, since Jared has come into the team, since he's coming to take over the team. And we, we would like to see more, obviously. Um, formation-wise, we've played with two nines seven times since Jared has started, has come in with the team. We've played with two tens 11 times. Uh, breakdown of those. So with, when we've played two nines, we've won three games, and we've lost four games. When we've played two tens, which is a bigger sample set from eleven games, we've won four games, we've drawn two games, and we've lost five. So the games that we won when we played with two tens are Brighton, Everton, Leicester, and Norwich, and the games that we won when we played two nines are Brighton, Southampton, and Leeds. Um, it's a really interesting one, like a back our back partnership or back two partnership of the twenty games that we've uh, that we've played under Stephen Gerrard, Mings and Kanza have started 12 of those games. Midf- Midfield-wise, since, uh, since Gerrard has come in, Luis has started 17 games in midfield, McGuinness started 19 games in midfield, and Ramsey has started 18 games in midfield, with Nakamba starting five and Sansan starting two. Now, one of the biggest things that I, would, that I would say is that Ramsey has started every single game since Liverpool, and in the Liverpool game, Nakamba got injured. So Ramsey has been a mainstay in that midfield. He's been the only mainstay in, in that midfield since uh, since that Liverpool game, which is interesting. So he has tink- tweaked and tinkered in that, that that area, but not maybe not as much as we would like to see. Then again, maybe he doesn't like, you know, we, we aren't blessed with players in there. That's one of the biggest reasons is all the players that we have playing in the midfield are very similar. So I don't know where we go from here with regards to this isn't isn't is the next thing. So this is just kind of a summary of what's happened. This is as I said, this isn't me trying to convince you that Stephen Jared's a great a great manager or anything like that. I think there's plenty of uh of uh, blame to go around. I think the players are doing things that they're not being asked to do. I think that we've got no defensive discipline in midfield, which we've missed since since uh, since Nakamba. And for all the great attacking work Luka Dean does, if he is told to be that far forward so much within the game, well, then we do have problems because with the creative uh, aspects that we have in this team, we surely will be able to supplement that while keeping Luka Dean back, back uh, further defensive stability is what we need within this team. And that's not, I don't need to be a scholar or a saint to be able to tell you that. Defensive defensive stability. And I think that, you know, maybe we will see this. If we go back to the days when Marvellous Nakamba comes back into the team, it potentially comes back in this weekend. If we go back to the days where we start setting up like this, we could be an awful lot more of a solid outfit and it could give us more space and time for our players up front um, to be able to get on the ball and, and to try and work their magic for the likes of Coutinho, uh, Buendia, Ings and, and, and Watkins. I said I was going to do this over 20 minutes. I failed and I'm now back into the one hour territory again. This is my third time doing it. This is my third hour of talking about this. So um, thank you so much to everybody for for watching. I'm not going to go on a big uh, massive tangent to finish off this. Really appreciate everything you do for the podcast. Um, if you could really like this, I, I, I'd really appreciate it. Also, if you could listen out for um, audio uh, or audio podcast and Spotify, um on on apple apple music wherever you listen to podcasts we'll be doing more audio podcasts as we ramp up our content into the off season so please subscribe on our audio podcast as well really really helps us out so if you are a youtube listener or a youtube watcher um some of the some of the podcasts in the future um at least one a week will not be on youtube it will be on um on on audio podcasts so uh you know please help us out in that as well and all you got to do is download it and and, and you can listen to it through there, it costs you nothing to do so. So thanks very much, everybody. This has been a, a, a tiring, uh, but in, a, a, I like to think it's been an in-depth and I could have gone on and spoken about an awful lot of things, a lot more things here. I got into the statistical analysis of it a small bit more, but just looking at, I suppose, the teams that we put out and the, and, and the formational setups and what I can kind of draw from it. I Hope this has been, been good for you guys. Um, I'd love to have actually had this more interactive with people asking questions about the games to see if we could answer them. I could have gone over some games too quickly. I mean, I've gone into some detail on other games. So, um, you know, when the season is over, we will go back and look at maybe some games that we think have been turning points within the season. Ideally, one of those, I think, is going to be when the camera gets injured. And then we look at other ones then from there on in. But uh, for now, this is going to tie up the Steven Gerrard season so far. Hopefully, we see... Um, we've got other things to talk about in the last six games as we rocket up the league. And hopefully, we can finish this with a flourish. But until then, guys, we will be, we will be back... Um, with another podcast on Friday Uh, we will be doing the team sheet tension with the Villa View on uh, Saturday which will be live here on our channel and on the Villa View so you can watch it on both of those channels as well thanks very much for everything you do guys give this a like and lastly all that's left to say is up the Villa Chumba Casino.com. No purchase necessary. work prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.